You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. You know, I had the occasion to emcee a medical event put on by the Academy of Complementary and Integrative Medicine, Dr. Lee Cowden's group. Here several months ago, I had attended as a lecturer the year before, and he invited me to emcee the event. I have known James Templeton for many, many years, but I had no idea what his story was, folks. You are about to hear something, and I'll be quiet because this man needs a forum to really teach us. Have you ever heard the three words, you have cancer? James did. And then the doctor said, I don't like the prognosis. This is really ugly. It's throughout your body. It's stage four. But I'm going to load you up with chemo and so forth. The three most dangerous words, in my humble opinion, in all of medicine today are twofold. You have cancer, and my doctor says. Those words scare me. James heard both. So I'd like to welcome all of you to... uh, this uh, next 15, 20, 30 minutes with James Templeton. Hey, James, welcome. I was emceeing that event. I believe I introduced you. You got up on the uh, podium. And then as an emcee, I can't hear the entire story. People are asking me questions. I have to go introduce the next guest and so forth. But what I heard really brought tears to my eyes. So welcome and take us to that day, your age, when you heard those words and what you did. Well, thank you, Doug. It's great to be here with you. Uh, My story kind of started back in 1985. I was 32 years old, and I was living in a small town in Texas, Huntsville, Texas, to be exact, uh, north of Houston, and I thought that everything was going great, and uh, I was very busy. I was very successful. I had several businesses. Uh, I uh, thought I had life by the tail, actually, and I was probably on my way to being a millionaire back in those days, Mm -hmm. and And uh, I also kept myself in really good physical shape, and I ran a lot, and people would drive down the road, and they'd see me run, and they'd go, there's old James out there running down the road, and he's in tremendous shape, right? So I thought I was in tremendous shape. And and, uh, the reason I was doing all this was because my father and my grandfather both died of heart attacks at a very young age. And I didn't want to be the next one. So I thought that if I got out there and got myself into shape and and, uh, watched what I ate, and I was really doing that too. I was eating a lot of salads and, you know, just thinking I was doing the right thing and working out in the gym and all that. And uh, I got to thinking about that uh, maybe I should get checked out and go to a specialist and get, get a stress test done. And the reason of this is because there was a guy back in the... 1980s, mid-80s, I think it was, Jim Fix, that was a well-known figure in the physical fitness movement. He was a big runner and all this, and he wrote a book on the art of running or something like that. Anyway, and one day he was out running, doing a jog, and he just fell over dead with a heart attack. And I heard about this, and that kind of freaked me out. And I said, I'm going to get in there and get a stress test. So I went to this internal medicine doctor there in Huntsville, I go in to see this guy, and he says, well, let's get you on the treadmill. And he got me on the treadmill, and he said, oh, my gosh, you broke the record. He says, nobody has ever done as well as you have. He says, how in the world have you, did you do so well? I said, well, I'm a runner. I do. He says, 
look. He said, you're in tremendous shape. He said, your heart's great shape. Everything's in great shape. He said, there's only one thing that I can see, and it's a mole on your back. He said, there's a mole on your back. It looks a little different to me. It's probably nothing to it. Don't worry. He said, uh, just go get it checked out when you get a chance. Hmm. And uh, so I didn't think much about it, and I went home thinking, well, I'm in good health and good shape and all that. So uh, uh, before I knew it, I decided, well, I'll go down to this dermatologist. So I go into the dermatologist, and the dermatologist says, well, take your shirt off. I got my shirt off, and the guy comes in, he looks at my back, and he says, oh, my gosh. And he started basically, you know, jumping up and down. I never seen a guy get so excited. And he was, he scared me to death because I'd never seen a doctor act like that. And he, like he'd seen a ghost or something. Yeah. And he says, oh, my gosh, I think you might have melanoma. And, and he says, uh, you know, this is not good. He says, uh, melanoma, it could kill you. And he went on to say that, you know, we might have to remove a large portion of your back here. And he scared me so bad. He had such a terrible bedside manner mm. that I said, I am getting out of this place <laughs> and I'm going home. And I was totally, here's this guy thinking he had life by the tail. Now, all of a sudden, I didn't feel so yeah, hot about yeah. myself. It's the fear alone. Oh, my gosh. I was scared to death. I ran home and I drove home and uh, my wife uh, uh you know, said, well, you know, maybe we ought to just get another opinion. You know, you, how do you know? You know, let's get another opinion. So I decided to do that. So I went off down to Houston and got another opinion. And the guy says to me, uh, he says, I think it, it might be something. And he says, but, you know, a lot of people get this and we'll catch it early and it probably won't be anything to it. And he says, I'm going to send you over to a good friend of mine. He said, this friend of mine is a world-renowned oncologist. And he deals a lot with melanoma and things like that. That's what they thought it might be. So he says, you know, if, if you had to see anybody, this is the guy you want to see. So he took me, uh, you know, gave me the directions, told me to go over to see the guy. I went, I think the next day, went to this guy, went in there, and the doctor says, well, looks a little suspicious to me. He says, why don't we just go in and remove it? Let's see what it is. So he went in there, and he took it out. Right there in his office, took a big plug out of my yep. back. He says, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to send this to the lab. We'll see what it is. He says, uh, chances are it won't be anything, he said, but uh, I'll call you in a few days and go home. Don't worry. Well, I mean, don't worry. Are you going to go home and not worry? Well, I don't think I slept for several days. And then, then after uh, nearly two weeks, the guy finally called me up, and I'd been walking on pins and needles. Sure. He calls me up and he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And he says, the good news, he says, it's melanoma. He says, but we got it all. He says, around that plug that we took out, we don't see any signs of melanoma. So we got it all. He said, the bad news is that it's very deep and meaning that it's so deep that it's, you know, stage four. He said, stage four is not a good thing. He said, stage four means it's probably going to spread. And when it spreads, you know, it's going to spread to your lymphatic system or into another organ. And we've got to keep an eye on this. We don't want that to happen. So there's not much you can do, but go home. He says, just, uh, you know, do what you're uh, doing, uh, live your life. Didn't talk uh, about diet. No, nothing. C, he no. said, there's nothing, nothing you can yep. do. He says, just let's just keep our fingers crossed that we'll never see this again. 
Well, it, you know, he told me not to worry, but I worried <laughs> so bad. I was, a, I was this happy-go-lucky guy before. I'd, I love to have a good time, you know. I like to be the life of the party, all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you what, I was not the same guy. I was scared to death. Well, he took the air out of your sails. He did. He took it right out. And I just wasn't fun to be around anymore. I wasn't ambitious anymore. I'd been really ambitious before, and I wanted to do all kinds of things. And now I just didn't want to do anything. Like you said, I had no air in my sails anymore. And uh, it didn't take long before my wife didn't like this. She couldn't deal with the fact that here I was having this issue. And a friend of mine also was a doctor that, that I knew, and he says... People with this didn't live more than three years in most cases with stage four melanoma, and I, that didn't help anything <laughs> at all. And uh, I mean, they, this guy basically, through my wife as a friend of mine, but more of a friend of hers, told her, you know, so he goes and tells me. So, I mean, that didn't help at all. While you're listening to James, consider this was 33, a third of a century ago that this happened to him. So yes. keep going. So... Anyway, I, I just totally lost it after that, and I decided that, uh, you know, uh, I was just didn't know, didn't know what to do, and I decided that, uh, you know, I had to find something else I could do. You know, I had to find something, and uh, a friend of mine offered me a position to work for them, and maybe it helped get the cancer off my mind, and uh, so I moved up to Dallas. And I started working with a good friend of mine, and he was very gracious to help me and uh, offered me a position, and, and things were going pretty well there. And I got to thinking that maybe the cancer wouldn't come back, and maybe I wouldn't have any more problems. But my wife had decided to leave me because she didn't want to you know, be around this. It was stressful to her, uh, didn't like this new me. And uh, after I went up to Dallas, I thought this was the way to get away from that and to have a, maybe a new lease on life and uh, not knowing. But after about six months later, everything was going great in Dallas, but I found a lump right here in my growing area. And uh, I went down to see the doctor, and the doctor says, well, uh, this doesn't look uh, you know, great, but he says, hopefully it's nothing Again, he says, I think we should do surgery first thing in the morning. He took me into the hospital the first thing the next morning. And this just all came up, you know, over mm -hmm. overnight almost. I went in, and I knew I was in trouble after I woke up from the surgery because I knew that I was ripped open, you know, with a huge incision in my growing area, and they had gone in and removed all my lymph nodes in that area, and he had found the cancer in the lymph nodes, and the cancer had spread, and when he told me, he, he came into my room the next day and says, it's not good because the cancer spread. He said, uh, we're gonna have to do 80 treatments of experimental chemotherapy. No. He said experimental chemotherapy meant that it would be a hypothermia treatment. Back then, that they do, I think they do that now, uh, some with different you, kinds. Right? Yeah, yeah, and what they do is they elevate your temperature as high as they can, you know, like 105 or mm -hmm. whatever, without mm -hmm. killing you, basically, and to, to get to your, elevate your immunity. Mm -hmm. And then they give that, induce that chemotherapy on top of that. Mm -hmm. But this was what they were going to do. And the next thing he told me was, was I had about a 20% chance of survival if I could get through the chemotherapy treatments. And that survival 
time would be two, uh, three to five years. And he says, if you don't do the chemo, he says, I don't think you have much of a chance at all. Well, I was very, very depressed after this and, and you know, getting, trying to recover from this surgery, this major surgery. Now I had to deal with this also. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I became very just down and depressed. And Hey, James, can I interject? Sure. Because I've heard this story so many times. I, I don't think anyone as eloquently as you has told the story. At what time does God enter the picture? What time are you home laying in bed going, listen, you and I need to talk? Well, I'm laying there in the hospital, and I'm desperate, and I started to pray to God, and I've never prayed so hard in my life. And uh, I, I just felt like every cell in my body was asking for an answer from God. Yeah. And I literally, really just was so desperate that it, it just was a different kind of feeling I'd ever had before. And after I got through praying, it wasn't 10 minutes later that I heard a knock on the door, on the hospital door. And it was a friend of mine that I used to go to college with that I hadn't seen in seven years that heard about me being there. And he walks in with this piece of paper in his hand, and he says, well, I heard you were in here. He says, uh, a friend of a friend of a friend of mine at the office Heard we were talking at lunch, and he he uh, heard of a guy that cured himself of cancer using a diet, and I got very excited because I knew that whatever he had in that hand of his was what I was going to do, and I didn't know anything about it, but something inside of me said that's what you're going to do, and when he came in that door, uh, he he uh, he he changed my whole world right then. That's when everything changed because it was about a guy by the name of Dirk Benedict that was a well-known actor at that time that had cured himself of cancer uh, on a macrobiotic diet, mm -hmm. which I had never heard of. Where I come from, you know, it's like you go to the doctor, you eat regular food, you go down and have a chicken fried steak or whatever. And, uh, you know, you don't do things like that. And I got very excited because if this guy could do it, why couldn't I do it? And this guy had just gone for broke, and he had this cowboy mentality, and I could relate to that, being from Texas, and this guy was from Montana, and I thought, what's the difference? You know, you get outside of the city, you know, and you get in Montana, there's cowboys running all over the place, and then Texas the same way. I'd even had a small little farm with cows, and I had all that, you know, the, doing the Texas thing. And I just could relate to a guy like that. So I made up my mind. I got very excited, and I had the guy go out, my friend go out and get this book. And I read it, and his, the book was called Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy. Wow. And uh, right I got <laughs> very excited. That's right. And uh, I knew that, that I was on to something now. And all of a sudden, my psyche, my, my uh, uh, emotional body, my... Uh, uh, just my mental well-being started to change, you know, from this deep depression to hope. And now I had something, hope, that I hadn't had. And uh, the next morning, I got another knock on the door at the hospital. And, you know, it was somebody that brought me an article about a fella that wrote a book on vitamin C and cancer. And this man's name was Dr. Linus Pauling. And I got very excited because I started to look through that book. And I said, 
look, this is, this is from God also. And uh, it talked about people that took a certain amount of vitamin C and they were getting better from terminal cancer. And the longer they stayed on the vitamin C, the longer they stayed alive. And it went on to talk about the, the healing benefits of vitamin C. And I knew that now I was not going to only do the, the uh, a microbiotic diet, I was going to do the vitamin C also. Well, I got very excited here. I'm excited again the next day. The next day, I got another knock on the door at the hospital. It's three knocks in three, <laughs> three days. days. And here it was, my psychotherapist, so-called from the hospital, that came through the door and he says, look, I hear you've been very depressed. I want to help you here. He said, what can I do to help you? And I immediately said, listen, I want to ask you a question. And he says, what is it? And I said, have you ever heard of something called macrobiotics? And he says, hold on a minute. And he turns around and started walking towards the door, and I thought it was a little strange. Here I was laying up in the bed in the hospital. He goes over to the door, shuts the door, and comes back, and he says, yes, I have heard of it, but you've got to promise me you'll never tell a soul about us talking about this. And here today I'm telling, right. but this guy said, I don't want to lose my job. I've been here 30 years. He said, if, if they heard that we were talking about this kind of thing, I'd be gone in a minute. He said, so please don't tell me. And, I, and I, he says, I've got a lot of good things to say about this macrobiotic diet. And uh, I said, get over here and tell me, you know. And this guy started to tell me, he says, look, it's not for everyone, but I think that if, if you really stick with it, and you really are determined, and it seems like you have a determination here. I thought you'd be a lot more depressed. He says, I think that you could do this. He says, I tried to do the diet once. I couldn't stick with it. It takes a lot of, you know, uh, determination. You got to roll up your sleeves. And he said, I couldn't do that, you know, but I think you could do it. And he says, there's a lot of people have gotten well on this diet. Well, I got very, very excited. Here, this guy's telling me all this. Well, now I just knew. And he also went on to tell me, you need to get a, a book. He said this book is called Recalled by Life by Dr. Charles Sadolero. And Dr. Sadolero was a, was a big-time doctor in Philadelphia, uh, and he was a, I think he was a head of, of a hospital there. And uh, it was an interesting story about him. And Dr. Sadolero uh, had this serious cancer that was all over his body, and he was bas basically dying. He's driving down the road, and he picked up. He never picked anybody up before. But there's these two hippies walking down the road, and uh, he just picked these guys up, and he got uh, talking to these guys in the car, and he says, you know, I have cancer, this and that. And these guys says, well, look. He says, uh, why don't you come up to the Macrobiotic Center with us? He said, we work at the Macrobiotic Center here, and he never heard of that. He goes, what the heck is that? And they said, you come up there. He said, cancer's not a big deal. You can get well by eating this macrobiotic diet and following the macrobiotic lifestyle. So he followed that, and he got well, miraculously got well. You know, no cancer in his body anywhere. And... Uh, Anyway, so anyway, I got that book. I was so excited now. I mean, you know, you start to read these stories. You start to believe, you know, believing hope kicks in. Uh, I, I knew now what I was going to do. And somehow or another, uh, before long, I ended up doing the chemo the first 
uh, five treatments, I believe, is what it was. The first five treatments was terrible stuff. But then I got got out of the hospital, went to my mother's house because I didn't have a wife anymore. Mm. So I went to my mother's house, my stepmother, and my stepmother started helping me cook this brown rice and beans and sea vegetables and all the macrobiotic, mm. you know, uh, type foods. And uh, I started doing that, and I was still recovering from the surgery. It was really hard, and you're, you know, you're sore, and I couldn't walk very well because they ripped my, my groin was ripped open. And I'd been a runner, but I'd been in great shape before that. Thank God. Yes, thank God for that. And I would go, and I would start to try to walk because I couldn't run, and I'd walk, and I was limping, you know, and I'd limp down the road, and I'd throw up because all the chemo would start to come out, and. I mean, I just did everything, and I was trying this diet so hard. And after about uh, two months or so, I had been on this diet and had been doing, following it to the T. You know, just really, really sticking with it. And taking vitamin and, C. And re- yes, taking a lot of vitamin C. Also, good point. And I was taking up to twenty thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day is what I was trying to take. And all this was new to me, and I just was going for broke. And uh, two months later, I was doing pretty well, but I was still recovering, you know, from everything. And I, it was time to do the other chemo. And uh, I went back to the hospital, and they checked me in. This chemo would take uh, a whole week in the hospital. It would take like five days for the chemo treatments and then a couple of days to recover enough so you could get out of there because it just made you weak and sick. Mm-hmm. And I got in there, and I started doing this chemo. And, I mean, they must have doubled or tripled it. It was terrible. i never seen anything like this. And uh, I got in there, and the doctor told me, uh, he says, well, he says, I'm sorry that it's so hard on you, but he says, your, your body, you're not recovering uh, from the chemo fast enough. Your body's not uh, responding the way it should. I even remember one day I was laying there in the in the bed and here come a couple of nurses saying, who's been watching him? His temperature is way too high. He could have died. You, could, you know, how in the world could you let his temperature get this high? I was so sick I couldn't eat. I, I was just, it was coming out both ends. Yep. I was terrible. It was the worst thing in my life. I, it was so bad compared to the first treatments. I guess they, you know, said a little's good, a lot's better. And the doctor told me then, he says, it wasn't doing well. And I asked him, I said, what would you do if it was your son or your daughter? And he says, I'd do the same old thing. He said, I'm doing for you. And I said, but what if it's not working? What would you do? I'd do the same thing. I said, what about vitamin C? What about diet? Isn't there something else I can do? And he goes, ah, none of that stuff works. He said, you can't. You can't uh, do that stuff. He said, that's a waste of time and energy. Okay, now I want to interject here, folks. James Templeton is who I'm talking with. A more compelling story you will never find toward taking responsibility for your own health. Today, James is a founder and a partner in a company called Unikey Health. Uh, One key, Uni, U-N-I-K-E-Y, Unikey Health. What this company has done is provided these same things, the cleanses, the detoxes, the vitamins, the nutrients that he found through his studies the past three decades in working in unison with Dr. Ann Louise Gittleman, whom we all know and love, uh, have been beneficial to people who are uh, sick or have been given a diagnosis like you have cancer and are looking he, he, for answers. 
he does not recommend, nor does uh, Dr. Anne Louise Gittleman, that you sidestep your doctor and just try these things on your own along with chemotherapy. I think what you discovered is the importance of talking with the medical community and just saying, guys, in all honesty, I'm out. I'm going to try something. You may never see me again because you're telling me I have 80% chance I won't be here. Yes, and, yes. And, and here I, you are today. And what I did then is I just decided that, that I needed to get out of there because it wasn't working for me. I needed to find something else. And I'd already found this, this diet, and I'd already found this vitamin C. And I'd made up my mind then that I didn't want to be like one of those other people that every night nearly somebody would die from, you know, some kind of complication from... You'd hear them in the hospital. Yeah, I'd hear that they had pneumonia or they had kidney failure or something like that. From the chemo. Yeah, because it weakened their system and didn't take long to put two and two together. So I decided that I would just get up and I was going to walk out of the hospital at two in the morning because I said there's no way that they're going to let me just get up and walk out during the day so without giving me a hard time. So I got up at two in the morning and uh, I had a few unkind words with the doctor before that, a couple of days before I left. But we won't get into that because we're on, uh, you know... Uh, National audio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I told him, you know, that... Uh, you know, to basically get out of my room and everything. But I, I left, and I, I never looked back. And, I mean, I buried it myself into the macrobiotic diet. I read everything I could do. Uh, I fully committed. Uh, I was positive. If it would work for these other people, why wouldn't it work for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't going to look back, and I was going to uh, not go down without scratching and clawing. I mean, it was that kind of feeling like, I'm going all out, and if it, if it doesn't work, then it's not because I didn't give what it 150%. What have you lost? Because you're going to die. Right. Then. Do me a favor. In the, in the final six minutes we have, summarize the past 30 years. Because here, the amazing thing about this story is you were told you have a 35 years ago, 32 years ago, you have a 20% chance of living. Only our medicines can help you. Nothing you can do will ever help. What you found is just the opposite. So teach us what the past 30 years have taught you. And by the way, I I wish you guys could see James. He is trim, slim, full, uh, had a dark hair and a beard and, uh, uh, you know, is a a Texan shot through and through. We love having him here. But roll it all into a big snowman. What, what, has the past 30 years taught you? Well, in the past 30 years, I've learned a lot. And back then, beginning at the end of my journey, I was doing very well. I really did very well. And I, I met Ann Louise Gittleman, Dr. Ann Louise Gittleman, at a parasite seminar that she was teaching. And a friend invited me to this thing. And I knew there was other things I needed to learn and do for myself. And I went to this parasite uh, lecture that she was giving and I'd never heard about the parasite connection. And I went to it. I was very excited after the, after the lecture, and I went up to Anne Louise, and I said, you know, I've had cancer, and I want to do more things. And I asked her if she thought I might have parasites. Now, you're talking about worms or yes. flukes? Or... I, yeah, you're, we're talking about uh, worms, uh, round worms, ascaris, they call mm-hmm. it, uh, a giardia amoeba. And I had all this stuff, you know, and Anne Louise told me she thought that I probably did have this just from the way I looked at that time. 
And uh, she sent me down to a parasitologist at the time that was a renowned parasitologist that actually found uh, these parasites in me. And so I learned about this, and I knew that if I had this problem, what about all these other people out there that had cancer, that had other, uh, you know, problems, health, serious health problems? And I had learned that uh, Dr. Bueno was his name, said that he had never seen a case of cancer or AIDS that didn't have some kind of parasitic involvement. Because don't these guys have babies in oh, yeah. sacs oh, yeah. that change your skin, change your DNA, oh, yeah. look like a lump under the tissue? Yes. I mean, so sometimes, folks, I want to tell you, this is documented in the scientific literature, sometimes parasites mimic cancer in your heart of hearts. You're Do right. you retrospectively now, James, look back to when you were oh, yeah. fit and running and... Oh, you, yeah. used, you told me on oh, your yeah. ranch you used to stand in cow dung. You know, there's oh, a yeah. million I had, <laughs> I had hogs. I had dogs, cats, cows. Sitting on your lap. I or... mean, how could you not? Every time I'd take a dog to the vet, they had parasites. Every time, every year we wormed our, dewormed our cattle, you know. And but we never dewormed our No, ourselves. and no one thinks about this. And, and parasites are one of the most immunosuppressive things that can happen to you. And it does with animals. Why wouldn't it us? You know, we're very similar on many levels. But, you know, I found out about this parasite thing. It was a big deal. Then I met another teacher of mine by the name of Dr. Hazel Parcells. Dr. Hazel Parcells was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I met her. I got to, got to work with her in her lab some. Got to spend a lot of time going to her, her uh, classes. And she was, uh, at that time, over 100 years old. Mm. And wow. she died at 106 years old. So she's been a mentor of mine, and I've and she taught me about the not only the parasites but the the other toxins that we have to eliminate to before we can get better. And uh, one of the things that I discovered is that when you're on a detoxifying diet like I had been on, that that's one of the key things because you start to eliminate a lot of these toxins. And now you have to rebuild. And I learned how to do that. And then I learned how to maintain health over the years. And uh, it, it, it got me uh, to the point to where I wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. So I developed uh, products of my own and started a company by the name of Unikey Health Systems. And uh, so what we try to do is get to the underlying causes of health issues and disease and uh, we try to clean things up. We don't cure anything. We just try to get to the root and do preventative things. And one of the things that uh, Unikey stands for is universal key to health. And to me, the universal key to longevity, to health, everyday health, is getting to the underlying causes. And that's cleaning up the parasites, cleaning up the yeast and candida that you talk about all the time, mm -hmm. uh, changing your diet, getting rid of this fungus in the body, getting rid of the heavy metal toxicity overload, uh, getting rid of, rid of uh, you know, uh, pesticides and chemicals exposure. Uh, you have to do this through, through daily detoxification, daily healthy eating. And that's what Unikey stands for. It's getting to the root. It's giving people the tools, giving them the education so that they can go forward and uh, be healthy, be 
have a lot of vitality, and because I don't want people to go through what I went through. Are you, know? you that old James now? Are you that guy running down the road and the neighbors honking? Oh, yeah. And pickup trucks saying, there goes James. Yeah, who's that old guy running down but the street? But you could have been dead. Yes. Our story would have had a sad ending, I really believe, had you stayed with those doctors. And James, they're not bad people. No. That, if all you own is a hammer, then the whole world looks like a nail. And all they own really right. is a hammer. They're, they believe their therapies and they believe the pharmacologic intervention is the only way to go. And there are people who survive all this chemotherapy. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to, folks, if you want more information to Unikey or if you need to contact these great people, Unikey Health, U-N-I-K-E-Y health.com. And then their toll-free number, if you want a list of products and so forth, is one 800 888 4353. 1-800-888-4353. The story doesn't end here because James didn't end there. Uh, James is functioning very much in helping others today. No, maybe he no longer has that ranch with all the cows and pigs and goats on it, but he's helping all of us. You know why? Because in that hospital bed with tears in his eyes, he said, God help me. God gave him a do-over, and now he's helping others. Man, feed my sheep. Isn't that what it's all about? That's what it's all about. It's like when you get that chance, you know, you have to say, why did I get that chance, and then do something about it. And I never looked back, and I never wanted to do the things I'd done before. I wanted to go forward, and I wanted to try to make a difference, and that's what I'm doing. And, And I've even started a foundation, Templeton Wellness Foundation, that's going to uh, educate people even more about cancer and many other things. It's not about selling anything. It's about only helping, giving people hope, giving people direction. They make their own choices, you know, whether they go to, to uh, the, the regular doctors or they do it themselves or they go find a, a clinic somewhere. So it's all about people making their own choices. I just want to help them find the very best of the best, and uh, I've dedicated my life over the last 30-plus years to, to helping people, you know? So the story is, I met James, I listened to him, I introduced him at the ACIM meeting here in uh, Orlando a few months ago, and then I got up and gave a talk. And I started my talk with, James, you went so long, I only get nine minutes to talk. Everybody in the room laughed. And then a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, no offense to you, Doug, I thought that was a great talk, but I wish you would have let James (laughs) stay up there. Here we are in the scientific community and James held the floor. Uh, God bless you, James. Thank you. That is a compelling story and I'm glad you're here. It's made you and Anne Louise Gittleman good buddies now and and, uh, I'm so happy about that because what you two are doing together is saving a whole lot of people. Well, thank you and thank you for what you do and uh, you're just wonderful and uh, we we love watching your show and and, uh, you're just always a hit. So everywhere you go and uh, you're such a good speaker and it's just a joy to be here. Thank you for telling your story. That's important. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.